Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast and your week in sports cars show with my man, the all caps, Graham Goodwin, editor of dailysportscar.com, face, voice, uh, dancer, Gosh. actor, yeah. um, mime, all things you might have seen him uh, throughout the years on FIWEC coverage, uh, ELMS, Asian Le Mans series. British GT, uh, Du Chevaux, 24-hour racing. I even swear I heard you calling uninterrupted 24-hour lawnmower racing as well on the YouTubes. Uh, I, I can neither confirm nor deny. Oh, that means it's a, it's a confirmation then. Um, <laughs> how you doing, my brother? You doing all right? We're good. It is, uh, what is it, 9 o'clock here in the UK in the evening, and... Yeah, just trying to plough through the mighty to-do list um, before I'm on my travels again, unexpectedly, uh, this weekend with, I think, a group of like-minded souls from across Europe who've been invited by, it's one of those Italian makes, uh, Ferrari, uh, to go and see their fine new hypercar. Aww. So, yeah, so that's going to be at the uh, the Imola Ferrari, uh, is it Finale Mondale? It's the it's the uh, the meeting that they have the final rounds or the the world finals, if you like, for their one make series, and all sorts of other goodies, uh, including Formula One cars on track, their successful GT cars on track. Be my first chance to see the two nine six GT three uh, with I gather its public dynamic debut there as well. Uh, but in particular, MP, we're looking forward to seeing what we know will be the first sight of the uh, Ferrari LMH car uh, in its racing livery. And Shall we start with shots fired, Graham, and, and say that provided the images we've seen of the vehicle running around mm. uh, in its uh, styling choices, because I'm not talking about true performance-based things done to the bodywork, but purely the styling choices... If those things remain in the official reveal, uh, is is fugly uh, an acceptable term for a Ferrari? Um, I I see. So you know what? I, I'm gonna just switch us back to this. Can you remember how underwhelmed we were when we got the teaser of the Acura ARX06, and then how much better that thing looks in the carbon? Yeah, I wouldn't say the ARX 06 strays too far from what we've had with the 05. Certainly mm -hmm. some changes, but not night and day. But yeah. Um, but effective changes, effective changes. I mean, we hope, right? Uh, well, let's get let's get through a race or two before we decide whether those are effective. But we assume the car is going to be good. But anyways, just looking at the, hey, you had choices. We know that uh, the good old, uh, this is the official new name of the series, by the way, the Weckety Weck and uh, yep. the, the Imsers, we knew that they were planning to do aero performance balancing. So really, you could make a variety of choices on the style, stylization, individuality, whatever it was to make your vehicle stand out. Yeah. Again, I, I look forward to seeing these images of the car as hopefully it's meant to compete and hope that it looks better or um but anyways we'll see hey let's say a quick thanks to cooper tires the justice brothers and torontomotorsports.com and do something graham we haven't done in a little while where we might be a little rusty uh at doing what is that thing and and keep in mind that uh you know uh, this might be mostly adults listening but also children so uh, keep your mind out of the gutter where it frequently falls uh we've got some questions questions Oh, we've got questions. We get your questions every day. Yes. So we, for many years, would go a linear path, Graham. We would read questions dedicated to one series, kindly put together by our friend and listener, Daniel Summersgill, then move yeah. to another series, very orderly. Then, because we're, we're a little bit spicy, radical at times, bounce around and not adhere to series-based boundaries i'm not gonna be i'm not gonna be anybody's boundaries they mean nothing to me okay i was gonna ask like where do we go you know do we go 
nice confines and staying in lanes, or do we blow up those lanes as we get back to Q&A? I think we should explode it like the UK economy. Well. Thanks, Liz. There we go. And hopefully this show will last longer than a head of lettuce. Um, where do we start? I'm so glad that's made it across the Atlantic. <laughs> where shall we start? <laughs> Graham Goodwin. Uh, let's kick it off with Corvette Racing. So Corvette Racing, uh, as was confirmed last week uh, in the LMGT AM class for the FIWEC in 2023. Yes, the factory team. We dealt with a little bit of this. Uh, last week, uh, last week's show, MP, but that was before we gave people the opportunity to ask some questions. So we've got a number, um, a number of reasonably familiar names here. Right Term Lover says uh, he's assuming that Keating Car Guy has rightfully retained his bronze rating. Would you mind speculating on who'll be picked up by Corvette rating as their work silver? I can confirm, by the way, Ben has been confirmed correctly, by the way, as a bronze. Matt Nieder says... Ben Keating's a living legend. Can't wait to support his WC campaign with Corvette Racing. Seems to indicate in interviews that the upcoming season in WC would be his last. Any takes, uh, early takes on rumours on 24. I doubt he's ready to hang up his helmet. Is he eyeing GTP? I can probably answer that. Andrew Backer. Hello, Baxter. Uh, love it that we've made the month in sports cars into a <laughs> weekly show. Thanks very much indeed. Oh, he's so, so, so Bitter and twisted. I love yeah, back the Baxter. So yeah. that's awesome. How upset is bronze and indeed red uh, driver Johnny O'Connell that Corvette Racing took millions of dollars from Ben Keating instead of choosing him and going two seconds a lap faster than everyone else? And Jake Ward says, with Corvette playing with amateur drivers in WEC, are there any former Corvette drivers that have aged into a lower driver ranking, which just named one with Andrew Backer, that could be hired? Similar thinking to what Penske did with Mano Collard in the LMP2. So first things first, any ideas on an appropriate silver? Yes, they and I, we can tie a lot of things together here, pivoting off of Jake's question. Uh, famed Corvette entrant, Spirit of America 1976, John Greenwood. Oh, wow. I don't think he's still alive. But yes, the ghost of John Greenwood will be uh, the final driver. I don't honestly know. Um, I If I made more effort, I probably could learn who it was. I just haven't done that yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's see. Let's go to. So that kind of covers off uh, Jake and our pal Right Turn Lover. Matt, your question there. Uh, ben did clearly state in our interview on roadandtrack.com that he will be doing one season, final season, in the WEC, that being next year, said, and granted, this didn't make it into the interview just because it was already extremely long, and sometimes you weed out the minutia that doesn't necessarily fit the overall uh, theme of whatever the story happens to be about. He did tell me, Graham, that... He has thoroughly enjoyed driving GT3-based cars in the past. Mm -hmm. He did not rule out enjoying driving them in the future. But mm -hmm. he did say with full clarity, he has zero desire of racing GT3 uh, formula vehicles in the future in the FIWEC. That being where the WC is moving towards yeah, exclusively on its GT front, as we hope and believe, and as they said, they will. Way, he's not. He's not the only one in yeah. that. Uh, and there's there's lots of stories to come on this front. But so that's that's what's coming in 2024 on that end. So he was very clear in saying that he loves, does love, as we can see from the uh, great success he's had uh, since moving over to GTE Am. Um, he loves this formula of GTE is going to enjoy the final year of it being run in the WEC next season with Corvette Racing. Zero desire to return in 24 with uh, whether it's Corvette or anyone else in a GT3 card there. He also indicated yeah. separate, or I shouldn't say separate, maybe compounding that notion of, of what he does or doesn't want to drive beyond 23. He also said traveling to Europe for many, many days at a time. Um, that's maybe no longer as, as fun and cool as it once was. Yeah. So I think you can take the formula change plus the 
this will be three years in a row of doing this. I think he's just come to the decision that once he's uh, finished, once the season finale in 23 is over, uh, he will say thank you. I've had a great time. Going to focus back on racing in North America. And so that's the part where Ben hasn't, at least with me, expressed plans for, say, 2024 and beyond. He'll be, again, he's already in his 50s. He'll be moving further into his 50s. Um, Is that continuing in IMSA in a full-time capacity? Would say that since he's made it somewhat clear that GT3 cars really feel like something uh, that are in the past for him, he's been loving uh, his LMP2 stuff. I expect to hear more about Ben doing LMP2 things in IMSA this coming season. So a complimentary, can't tell you if it's all the races, half, I don't yeah, I don't know that, but uh, do, do look for Ben saying, yes, he will indeed be racing more in IMSA in P2 uh, to go with his full season obligations with Corvette Racing. But what does that look like when he's done with Corvette in uh, the amateur side here at the end of 23? Don't fully know, but I don't think he's hanging up his helmet. There is that time, though, Graham, where you go, okay, not like he has to stop at any particular age, but once you do get into your 50s, you have options and choices to say, okay, I've gotten my fill, uh, time to go back to normal life, do it on a part-time basis, who knows? I think that's the next round of questions to pose to Ben once we get into uh, 2023. Yeah, um, he has shared with me what his plan is, and I'm not going to say it is not dramatically newsworthy, but a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, We are not going to lose Ben Keating to motorsport anytime soon. Um, But uh, you and I will have a conversation offline about the uh, the program he's outlined to me, and it's it's great fun. And I know that you particularly, my friend, will get a big buzz out of it once I tell you what it is. Monster trucks. Uh, Final question here from uh, Mr. Baca. Another thing that didn't make it into print because it just didn't seem to fit. He did say he read a lot of folks on the interwebs saying, well, WTF, Johnny O'Connell recently downgraded to – bronze or whatever it is and hey that guy would be the obvious choice to bring back into the corvette family to which he said uh i don't disagree that johnny o'connell's an amazing driver but i'm also not aware that johnny o'connell is willing to pay for this entire Correct. program therefore maybe folks should stop comparing or saying who else should be in the car other than him because uh how's this if ben wasn't the one doing it I don't know how many others are willing to commit uh, what we think is a very serious dollar figure to do this. So not about ratings alone, about who has the correct rating plus can bankroll the whole dang thing. And that, finding the drivers, not hard. Finding the driver that can pay for it, that's the unicorn situation, which fits him perfectly. Where do we go next, brother? What do we do? Uh, We're going to go to Boutique manufacturers All right. in LMH in, in hypercar. Before we get to this, though, have spotted around uh, social media over the last week or so. Um, how can we put this? Some conversations, d- dare I say, arguments about uh, hypercar and GTP and some con- so apparent confusion, uh, you know, and suggestions that basically both should be called the same and blah, 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 and this is real convergence, blah, blah. Nonsense, say I. Uh, GTP is a brand. Hypercar is a brand. It encompasses all the available options of LMDH and LMH cars into a class for IMSA, into a class for the FI World Endurance Championship. Have we been in a situation where things have been confusing? Yes, we have. Does this argument make that, um, that, that argument, does it just falsely continue that argument? Yes, it does. Get on and get beyond the brand. In fact, both brands. And anybody that disagrees, uh, you can cue behind the, the little sign that says, did you make the same arguments about GTE and GTLM? And have you made the same arguments about GTD and GT3? And if the answer is no, 
just just go away just just let's get on with building awareness of what's going to be an amazing era and let's not find ways to divide but moving swiftly beyond that boutique manufacturers at lmh yes uh, this is probably one where you want to chuck stuff at me oh yes like a frenzied <laughs> monkey at the zoo uh harry chandler Ooh. not sure if i recall harry's name i got a question so. before hey harry it, yes and we hope that's your real name because if not it's kind of a great made-up name, right? It's kind of a mixture between, uh, y- y- you know, a dismissed royal and a member of the cast of Friends. I quite like that. <laughs> Look at you. Look at you. Pop culture references aplenty today on the weekend, on the month in sports cars weekly. Um, oh, than Andrew Bing, by the way. Oh, here we go. Harry says, with all the promise of new boutique brands, I should mention that Rocky's just jumped up and walked across me and, hey. and run his tail across the back of the microphone. So mm-hmm. uh, just so you know who the boss is. A new boutique brands, Glickenhaus, Isata, Freshini, dare I say, Van Wall, and privateer entries for the future of sports car racing. With all that promise, Graham, are the ACO missing a trick by not looking at having some sort of award or trophy for the leading team or brand at Le Mans? says different from uh, how it was done in the past with the separate p1 category for privateers maybe a single trophy he says uh, my vote is for it to be called the martin Bahrain trophy for the yeah. leading boutique brand or privateer team do you think this would give added incentive and create value for current or potential teams to pursue these types of programs so they're not just acting as david's against the works goliath teams Okay, uh, I mean, a couple of uh, quite a lot to unpack there, but I think the answer is little early yet to go down that road. Uh, I think once we've got to the stage where we've got uh, privateer teams in numbers, um, there might be a conversation. There has been this conversation before, by the way, in the early days of the FIWEC, where against the the growing numbers of uh, factory teams, the privateers did make it clear, look. If we're going to have, I think it was LMP one L, wasn't it? LMP one kind of lights or whatever the L stood for back then. Uh, they did successfully negotiate that they would have their own podium, their own uh, point standings, and a presence in the post-race press conference. So they're able to pay back, for, if you like, for the vast number of euros they've shuffled in through the back door of the garage. Um, I think the answer is that is a very valid point. If and when we get to the stage where there's a viable competition trophy to be had what you're looking for is not just a world championship not just the win of the biggest race in the world but something that the teams where there is well you know you'd have to say the likelihood of a competitive disadvantage against a factory team uh, albeit in a balance of performance formula um why wouldn't you but these things quite often come uh, mp when you've got something that at the moment the WEC doesn't have a lot of, and that is funding sponsors. So if you can get to the stage where a relevant brand uh, decides that it wants to be the champion of, you know, private interests, uh, et cetera, et cetera, and wants to fund that kind of contest, and I don't know what you might call it. You might call it the, I don't know, the Taco Bell um, privateer of the year, the Taco Bell, whatever, Um I quite like the Martin Brain trophy, but there's going to be others too around that. Um, then I see no reason why you shouldn't. But my guess would be that you're probably talking a couple of years down the line before that can become a reality. You know, we've got to wait and see what the, a bit of hashtag wait and see, what the plans are for Clickenhouse. The FIWC and ACO seem to be very convinced indeed that Jim and co are coming back for at least a part season. It's also Fraschini. Um they're saying at the moment their plan is to debut at uh, Spa. Uh, there is a bit of hashtag wait and see about just how quickly they can bring that forward. Van Wall. I think, Graham, you, know you mentioned last week, and this is my brain farting on us yet sure. again. I think last week you mentioned with the uh, Isota um, Frankiti Frankiti entry. <laughs> um, who is meant to service that? Is there a I don't existing know. It's, team? It's, no, they, they've been, they have been polling the views of teams, I think, to be honest with you, to find a racing budget. So I think what you've seen with the announcement of that, uh, that car is effectively it's putting the hand up amongst the crowd to say, we're here, 
we have a viable car. We're now looking to get a program together. And they're giving themselves thinking time and doing time before uh, Spa, which is clearly some months away. But critically, they're going to need to persuade the WC Selection Committee of the viability of that program. So are we done yet? No, we're not. Uh, is the viable car? Yes, there is. And that car, my guess by now, is complete um, or very near complete. Is there a full racing budget and a team ready to go and a press release ready to, ready to be signed off that tells us which three amazing drivers are going to be in it? No, there isn't. Um, but it is not vaporware. Okay, They've built the car. They've invested in it. I chucked something up on Twitter just uh, earlier this afternoon, by the way, MP, about... Uh, it's a car that features on Michelotto, who've built this car for Isotto Fraschini, uh, on their website. And it's when you first look at the front end of it, because that's the way the web design shows it, um, looks a little bit like the front end of a Ferrari, but it isn't. The rear end very different. And there is a theory that it could be the GT car for Isotto Fraschini, which again is trailed in the, in the press release. Long way to go with this. But there's people out there who are spending money and have real ambition. Let's hope they can make it. Let's hope that Jim Glickenhouse can make it. Let's hope the Van Wall can make it. Uh, you know, it, the same rules are going to apply to absolutely everybody. Uh, but the the general feeling here, which is that the fan base would welcome these boutique brands, these minnows, if you like, in amongst this vast array of factory talent, couldn't agree more. Well, I think we've, I don't know, have we just completed the first stint? the second stint of our podcast uh let's see we got a few more um uh i said a frankiti questions here uh damien peachman if accepted would that entry be uh, there for the rest of the wc races in 2023 and how many, and cars? How many cars i think um, there's no ch- there's, there's there's it's it's to my mind clearly it's a single car um all they're committing to in that public statements uh, is Spa and Le Mans. They will need to convince the ACO that that's a chance they're willing to take. Uh, at the moment, as I've said a couple of times on Twisk, the regulations say you've got to enter a full season. That's extremely expensive. And if you enter the full season and don't show up for those races, then you are fined for doing so. There is a cost for you to do so. And that's been a dividing point in years past with including the likes of Jim Glickenhouse and for that matter, the likes of Ginetta when things have gone, you know, got, got sticky with, with top class programs. So there is a, there is a testing point here, MP about just how uh, ACO, LMEM, FIA are going to view entries like this, like Van Wall, like Glickenhouse moving forward. Do you bend that rule to get the, the variety in, or are you ironclad, in which case, for the most part, those boutique manufacturers are going to find it significantly more difficult to get to that grid and stay on that grid. There we go. Uh, let's see. Chris Ward says, hey, gents, with the uh, FAF racing team, FAF Motorsports, losing their drivers to the Porsche Penske Motorsports 963 program. It strikes me that a certain Canadian driver, Hinch, is available possibly for the full season. What are the odds he ends up there in 2023? Also very kindly says thanks for all you guys do and my best to your families. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Uh, let's see. The drivers that Faf ran last season and used to win the uh gtd bro bro the gtd bro that's a great that's a great class bro dude gtd bro it was stony bro uh used to win the gtd pro class uh were indeed factory drivers they did air quote lose them the thing i think we might have said before graham but we can Mm -hmm. certainly say right now they were placed with the team by not only Porsche, but effectively the Porsche Penske Motorsports wing or with an angle there mm-hmm. of just building more chemistry, more circuit knowledge, bringing in Felipe Nazar, obviously, for the uh, the Enduros and such. 
this wasn't just FAF getting some pro drivers from Porsche to use in GTD Pro. This was an initiative from the outset to help groom, develop, not as if all the drivers there aren't massively talented and experienced, but this is something that had intent from the outset with the program and what the drivers would do for the year, albeit in a, in a GT3-based car, but this was all done to just help build towards this uh, prototype program. I would doubt that there would be a similar initiative coming in 2023 uh, from Porsche, but I do expect uh, more factory drivers to be involved and just really not with this secondary initiative, Graham, of trying to just help tune them up even more to be ready for uh, the GTP class, but just simply to go after back-to-back GTD Pro titles um, I will be very interested once we get, what, what are we, six weeks away or whatever the exact timing is for the, the Porsche Night of Champions, whatever they call it, where they announce mm-hmm. all their major programs. I will be extremely interested to see what that driver roster looks like. Um, would it be just familiar names we've seen within the Porsche factory driver mill for however many years? Could it be something where some of the young talent, I'm thinking of, say, Parker Thompson, for example, young Canadian kid, right, who won the Porsche Carrera Cup North America Championship this year. Could it be, you know, what, what's the mindset? Is it just bolting in well-known pros, let's go win a title, cool but not unsurprising? Or could there be some evolution of, hey, maybe there's a, a young pup uh, or two or three or none uh, that might be worthy of uh, installing into this effort. So I truly, with this team, this entry, I am particularly interested to see uh, where they and Porsche agree to go. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Why don't we move to uh, something fun here as I think we head towards uh, the final stint, the triple stint uh, of this episode before uh, we hit the... That's a lot more interesting than double stint, a triple stint. It just adds so much more depth got to admit i did have someone tell me like double stinting like really was something unique like decades ago but that's kind of the norm so yeah triple quadruple quintuple stint like Ooh, you know, that's interesting yeah get me to a quintuple uh <laughs> a sextuplet oh i don't know if no that's stop even now correctly. stop stop uh, stop yeah stop sorry. right now i said we were going to stop using the word sex in the show um i love this line of questions uh one of them involves a uh, extremely good race car driver who's uh mm-hmm. won a lot of things and i'm gonna hurl both at you go go like go gibbon with a digestive track problem um <laughs> our man daniel summers gill who puts together these questions once again thank you daniel i'm bowing you're my gtd bro he says is the question is the wec slash elms ever returning to silverstone becoming the sports car equivalent of is indycar ever returning to cleveland milwaukee michigan fontana etc um i know that at least in the racer mailbag we yeah. banned many years ago <laughs> the questions of when is IndyCar returning to Cleveland, Milwaukee, Michigan, whatever. The same old haunts that, again, we'd love to go back to, Graham, but uh, the same question from a thousand different people about the various tracks over and over again just became a bit of a enough. Uh, so knowing that, for those who might not understand the reference made here by Daniel, is the is the WC slash ELMS ever returning to Silverstone? Is it at that level of, if I never have to answer that again, it will be too soon? Eh, not yet, but it's getting there. Uh, I think the answer is yes, they'll be back. Uh, not before 2024, that much we do know because we've got the 2023 calendar. I don't have a clear idea of whether or not we're going to see the WEC, the European Le Mans series, I think less likely both. I think the days of that being that that kind of season opening doubleheader are probably gone, and they've gone for lots of reasons, but not least because that's Sebring now, and that's filled that gap really very well indeed. It's I think it's fair to say, MP, that that uh, doubleheader race meeting proved to be more of a hit than most people expected it to be. Uh, so I don't think the doubleheader's coming back. Uh, I think there is 
every sign that it is on a very serious list of prospects. And that list, in terms of the very serious ones, is not that long. Uh, there are there are pressures elsewhere, particularly from some of the manufacturers now involved in the WEC, uh, to go to all sorts of places. Germany, you could you could certainly um, guess would be one of them. South America is another uh, from a number of the manufacturers that are going to be are now and are going to be in the WEC. But certainly, yes, Silverstone is on that short list. Uh, Quite whether we see a scouting mission with the European Le Mans series before they commit to a WEC race, difficult to tell. There are a lot of moving pieces at the moment in the world of sports cars. And, you know, they're, they're doing what they can to bed down, you know, what's a very complex rule book. There clearly is massive current interest from factories coming. There is still interest in new factories coming. Um, and hopefully that's something we can talk a little bit more about in the weeks and the months that come uh, as they come but uh, yeah i think you can expect it to be back at silverstone uh, the important thing is when they do come back to silverstone you darn well better come genuinely you darn well better be on those gates and through those gates and if it's lms it'll be either very cheap or no money um, and the best way if they come back and when they come back to persuade them to keep coming back is to make it a happy place to be. It is turn up, pack the stands, pack the paddock, you know, uh, do what I know British race fans do better than just about anybody else in Europe, which is just show your respectful enthusiasm for the show. It has been a long, hard time. Uh, we all know the reasons uh, behind it, and there are, they are, there are a multitude of them, and yes, it does include COVID, Brexit, you know, uh, stubbornness between the parties involved. Those, for the most part, not completely, but for the most part, on our history. And all the noises I'm hearing from the powers that be are positive noises, but it's not happened for 23. Be patient. And when you do get the date, do not, whatever you do, go to a family wedding. Don't do that that weekend. They can, they can, they can have their happy day themselves. Come and go sports car racing. And, uh, Let's make this a happy place to be back on the calendar from 2024 onwards, I hope. I'm going to declare we might extend into a fourth stint. So because I've come across some questions that are great. So uh, and I'm just going to keep hurling if that's okay. Have you asked the question? Have you asked the question from the 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 listener with remarkably similar, uh, you know, familiar sounding name? Is that going to be my way? Um. If your name is Geronimo Lazos, then yes. No. Okay. No. <laughs> uh, I've got more. Um, again, I'm, I'm hurling, flinging, foisting. Yes. Uh, okay. So, hey, a question that starts with a threat. That's always a good mm -hmm. one. All caps, warning, repost. I'm trying to be polite here, but do read my question or be subject to your pet's wrath. Brother, whether I do or don't read your question. Uh, yeah the amount of puncture wounds I get per day from our cats. Oh, I already get the wrath. Um, yeah. Uh, hey, he says, seeing the absolute failure of the Joker updates to equalize LMP2 in order to maintain variety or resounding success if they want to push Areca as the sole provider, mm -hmm. is there a change in the new P2 rules, Graham, to prevent our beloved class from becoming yet again a de facto formula Areca? Um, yeah, yeah. Tell us the that. answer is yes, there is. Um, but so first things first, I think we can them, hear it. Threaten them Sorry? with your threaten them with your response. I mean, you know, I know. Uh, what what if you're not careful, okay. uh, Geronimo? Um, hey, Jackass. Yeah, okay, let's do that. Hey, Jackass. <laughs> yeah, if you're not careful, I'll send Oscar around and you can feed him for a day. And trust me, they'll break the bank in your house it we're gonna feed ours. his belly with chili first so oh dear yeah. me no, that'd be oh that'd be a very meaty fire hose um right mm -hmm. uh, the answer is yes there is a change <laughs> yet uh, another uh, stripper name you revealed from oh, me here the, <laughs> graham goodwin come to the stage also known as hashtag meaty fire hose I, i'm not gonna go i'm not gonna, i'm not gonna go into too many details but i do know in the very early Weeks and months of Oscar being a member of the family. Uh, we, it, it, it happened one Christmas, ladies and gentlemen. It happened one Christmas. And one of the gifts I gave to my wife for that particular Christmas was a 
family bag, family size bag of her favorite confection, which um, it, it doesn't translate well, but it's a caramel flavored white chocolate in a kind of buttons uh, format. And, and when we went to bed that Christmas Eve, kiddies, we, 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 we didn't leave uh, a glass of sherry and a cookie for Santa. But what we did do rather ridiculously was to leave the caramel buttons on the side with a large dog in the room. Oh. And when we came down, not on Christmas morning, I think it was the day after what we would term Boxing Day, I cannot describe the scene. It was very much like someone had fire-hosed uh, one room in our house with what can only be described as filth. Um, so we'll leave it there. Uh, it's never happened since. I can tell you that for nothing. And uh, that is not something you forget a lot in, in a hurry. But, yes, he enjoyed himself. Anyway, um, LMP2, yes, there is a change. Uh, but before we get to that change, I think we're going to be hearing more uh, when we get to Bahrain at the end of this season about uh, LMP2 and the vision for it. Very little has been announced officially yet about the changes to LMP2. Um, we do know that LMP2 Pro-Am finishes at the end of this season in the Wekity Wek, uh, and that will come solely to the European Le Mans series uh, and the Asian Le Mans series if they get enough entries. What we don't yet know is whether or not the plan that was laid out at Le Mans is going to be carried through to its completion, which is uh, it was an extra year on the homologation for the current cars um, and then transitioning to the cars, effectively the chassis that the LMDH cars are built around. Uh, I'll say this much. The signs are that we may see a change in that. Uh, we may see that delayed for a further year. Um, we, I think, almost certainly are going to see the LMP2 class coming out of the FIWC and that that will become something that goes with the Continental Series. Um, what's not yet clear either is whether in doing that they will restore those cars to their prior performance levels. Um, there's lots of ways you can do that uh, in terms of how it works for a season and that then what would happen is the European Le Mans Series principally would carry uh, the large number, largest number rather, of automatic invitations based on performance to the Le Mans 24 hours. And you'd still be looking at a LMP2 class at Le Mans in double figures. There's all sorts of ifs, what's, maybes, nips, tucks, and potential side plans that could come in here. But that appears to be the direction that we're heading in, that LMP2 will go to the Continental Series only. Has to be said... I wrote an editorial MP, I think in June uh, of this year. So do kind of have a look back at it uh, on DSC. I can tell you that editorial was not written with the benefit of any kind of input from the rule makers. What is completely remarkable about it, though, is we appear to have reached the same conclusion by completely different routes. Um, what I'd like to see is that we do go back to the full 1600, oh, sorry, 1600, 600 horsepower glory and probably take a uh, take a couple of steps back in the evolution of tyres to when they were better uh, rather than the stratification era and then find a solution to the remaining problem, which is how do you then prepare those cars to be, I'll say it in this way, it's dumbed down for them on. I think there's a solution to that available too. To answer the question, though, Geronimo, yes, the rules as they currently stand, and I think they're going to change to push this back another year, which, by the way, I think is the correct decision, um, is that there will be two adjustments made during a season. Effectively, it's not quite full balance of performance, but it's not not balance of performance either. So effectively to adjust, it's, I think it's called AOT, adjustment of performance, mm. um, uh, that... that what you shouldn't see in those regards is one of the four, because it is Multimatic, uh, Ligier, Orica, and Delara again. Um, you shouldn't see one of those four getting back to the dominant position that Orica have got to in LMP2 in the current era. Uh, so 
let's i'll tell you what ask me that question again in about a month's time by then i think things will be clearer we've we've been sort of fended off from this uh this point by lmem and the aco uh for about a month or so there was a a, a sit-down conversation with some senior people in the rule amongst the rule makers i've had some private conversations with others um it's very clear there is a further change coming the extent of that the direction of that um and the reality of that for that matter because things can change and change again uh, is not yet clear but i think within the month we will know what the the, the vision is uh, that they're going to be sticking to for the next two or three years but i do believe we're going to transition into a two-class fia world endurance championship got a hashtag breaking exclusive scoop graham <laughs> this coming in from andrew piasecki via Ooh. my primary email address i use for business and motor racing hi marshall hope you're rolling through a stellar week exclamation point it's only tuesday the holidays are coming up fast so i'm happy to let you know that we just signed a brand that i thought you'd be interested in tenkara rod company is a maker of high quality tenkara fly fishing rods based in boise idaho where they design and test the poles all of their products would be a great gift option for anybody who enjoys spending time outside. They're a great addition to any hiking, backpacking, bike packing, or off-roading adventure. There you go. Hashtag exclusive scoop. Um, this isn't a complaint. It's actually just endless amusement. I wake up every day and just have multiple emails where I ask myself, where the hell, not only did you get my email address, but how did it get to you? Because yeah. this isn't sent oh, yeah. in through the contact page on the podcast website or whatever. This is a direct email. So part of me is thinking, I don't know if these are lists that get sold. I don't know if it's somebody who used to work somewhere in motor racing and they've gone to work probably oh, yeah. PR on a, for a fishing rod company or the company hired by the fishing rod company to promote. And uh, that big long list of, of email addresses including my own got sent along, but I love stuff like this every day. It's like, Oh yeah, man, I'm going to jump right in to uh, telling the world about your fishing rod. I got another one earlier. I, it was a similar, I think holiday themed one where it was just, and you well, know, I'll I tell you what, I've just been able to look through that. The best one I've had today is this Texas neighborhood on as game of Thrones with street names. Right. <laughs> one, I don't live in Texas Two. I don't give a flying fig about uh, Game of Thrones. God alone knows why they thought I was interested in that one. Yeah, but um, I, I love this stuff. So I just wanted to share that because, you know, the one thing they're missing, uh, if you like the outdoors, what about motor racing, right? Folks tend to show up with a little, you know, fold-out camping chair, maybe a little drink cooler or something, a baseball cap, something, whatever it is, uh, poncho in case it rains. Where's your, your fishing rod, especially your fly fishing rod in real? I want to see more fans in the grandstands <laughs> with their fishing rods. Let us be that agent of change, Graham Goodwin. Okay, uh, we have a number of questions here on the good old Eron links. And oh, I know yeah. that we covered off plenty. Of, you covered off plenty of that last week. Why don't we go with uh, at Hazeldeck? Uh, asking, are Proton running their current cars along with the Iron Links collaboration next year? Right. So the Iron Links collaboration next year is with Porsches. Um, and I think if you've not joined the dots, um, I'm going to try, attempt to do that for you right now and say those words. So the answer is it will be two uh, Proton-owned, operated Porsches for Iron Links in the FIWEC, the Wackety Wack. Uh, one for Iron Links, the yellow car, so the Claudia Schiavone car. One in bright pink for the now race-winning Iron Dames in the WEC, in the European Le Mans series. And by the way, that will be two of four Proton-operated Porsches they've requested for uh, next season. Uh, in the European Le Mans series, it will be three Proton-operated Porsches, uh, and of those, one will be an Iron Links car. So the Iron Dames, I believe, will not be racing in the European Le Mans series next year. And I can't remember 
MP whether or not we cover this off. We did pop along to the um, uh, the test last week uh, at Portimao and did spot indeed Ryan Hardwick in one car um, and spotted Christina Nielsen in another. You could reasonably assume that Christina is under active evaluation to fulfil the bronze seats for the Iron Dames. Um, to join those dots, Mark Eakins asks, Ironlex have run Ferrari since their inception of experience with both GT3 and GT versions in multiple championships. Can you explain their choice in running Porsche GT next year? I think I can. And I, I will I will preface this, by the way, MP, by saying I have absolutely no, uh, no confirmation of this whatsoever. But this is the way in which I think this logic works. Everybody expects the Ironlinx Prima super team to pivot into the uh, de facto Lamborghini factory hypercar and GTP team in 2024. Why would they be changing from Ferrari for GTE in 2023? My guess is because they're likely, if there's going to be a GT3 program, to be in something other than a Ferrari in 2023. And you would tend to guess that that will be Lamborghini. So do not be dramatically surprised if Iron Links carry on in Olymp in, into GT3 uh, next season, but pivots from a Ferrari team to a Lamborghini team in whatever championships and whichever major races they choose to do. So that is why I believe this is happening so that they, they've got that transition into the Lamborghini family through a GT program. And of course, the one thing and the magnificent group of products that Lamborghini don't have is GTE car. Um, they are, however, a VAG group company. And guess what? So are Porsche. And Jacob Money. Excellent name. Yes. Says, with the seemingly increasing size of the top class in the WEC, wackety whack, can we expect to see LMP2 to begin to phase out in the coming years? Go to a single prototype class. Yes. Yeah. As, as we as, as just said, in terms of the LMP2, I think that's the inevitable direction. And, and to, to ask the, answer the question you've not asked, which is why, um, one, I don't think there's going to be room for it. There's you know, no doubt that a well-promoted GT3 class will find favour with customer racing programmes. No doubt whatsoever of that. Uh as we've seen, you know, with the major races around the world for the IGTC Intercontinental GT Challenge, every reason to expect that uh, the WEC could be successful on that front as long as costs are kept under at least some control. Uh, and the other factor, of course, is squeezing LMP2 from the other end is certainly for the next few years a pretty rapidly increasing number of top-class prototypes. So at the moment... We're expecting minimum 11 in the FIWEC in, uh, in 2023. By 2024, I expect that to grow for the full season by at least 50% and possibly slash probably more than that. So you're then getting into half the, the, uh, the entry for the FIWEC being in the top class. And I think we can probably more or less all agree that the likelihood is that number, let's call it 18, could easily be matched by the GT3 uh, request that you get on the other end, at which point there is simply no room for a meaningful uh, LMP2 class in the middle. So you might just as well accommodate those teams in your continental championships and give them, if you like, a fast track to the race that they really want to do, which is the Le Mans 24 hours. And I think that is a sensible formula to come up with. Still giving an opportunity for teams from Asia and teams from North America to find a route into the uh, 24 hours of Le Mans through the normal uh, routes. But uh, yeah, I think, uh, Jacob, that's exactly what's going to happen. And I think it's likely to happen within two years. All right. I'm browsing here. Ollie, U15. Ooh. Any ideas when we're going to see Alpine and Lamborghini start testing? No, I don't. Uh, there's, there's a number of conversations to have. I, I've zero doubt we'll see a Lamborghini 
presence at Bahrain. Uh, we've traditionally seen that as a, an opportunity. It's a more relaxed end of season feel where there, there's a lot of opportunity for meetings in the periphery uh, to take place. Quite often, the WC management stay on for a couple of days, maybe even arrive a couple of days earlier. Great climate, lovely surroundings, etc., etc. So there's all sorts of conversations I'm sure can be had. Um, but the I think you've got to look here at the kind of time frame that we saw the first cars appearing for next season. That was Porsche. When was the first time we saw that car on track? It was uh, we obviously saw the car end of December, uh, beginning of January. Okay, and publicly revealed at the Goodwood Festival of Speed, etc. I think the answer is I'd be sort of surprised at this stage if we we hadn't started to see uh, the first signs that uh, that cars are getting ready to go to track by late winter next year. Um, so, you know, they've got a year at that point. Bear in mind, one of the big unknowns by that stage, a year on, will be the state of readiness of the, uh, the spec hybrid drive, the single supplier uh, hybrid system. Uh, that is going to be less of an issue for those incoming teams of 2024 than it has been for those that are preparing for 2023. Uh, it'll be bedded in. It'll be, we hope, reliable and performing as it should. And, you know, saw some spectacular uh, numbers coming out of the Porsche test at Sebring uh, over the last couple of uh, couple of uh, days. And more to write about that on Daily Sports Car in the next couple of days as well, MP. But... My guess would be uh, you might well see some wind testing um, at the beginning, uh, into towards the end of quarter one in 2023 would be my guesstimate. But I wouldn't start to get kind of edgy if it just went a little bit longer than that. Um, you know, in terms of the, the Alpine, that's Orica. They are literal next door neighbours uh, to the... Uh, Paul Ricard track, uh, as far as the Lamborghini that's uh, being built with Ligier. Uh, they've got access to all sorts of fun places as well to do some shakedownery. And bear in mind, too, that there's all sorts of possibilities for some of the componentry involved in that uh, with Orica and Ligier LMP2 chassis, current LMP2 chassis, to actually do all sorts of Mileta uh, type shenanigans should they wish to be playing with some of those components now in the relative privacy that the the walled fortress that is Paul Ricard circuits uh, offers to them. So um, wouldn't be surprised if we saw it earlier. Wouldn't be surprised if we saw it later. Certainly nothing to panic about at the moment. And the next thing we should be asking ourselves is who's next? And the answer, I think, on who's next um, needs either you or I to call the man concerned MP soon. Lance Snyder asks, <clears throat> with GTP cars having less downforce and the need to regenerate energy, will this lead to less contact with cars? They are lapping, heading into corners. Oh, that's a great TBD, our Minister Ooh. of Mirth. We know that prior to any significant balance of performancing, class balancing that IMSA might do, right? Could they slow the GTP class down to whatever degree to uh, create less separation to the other classes. We don't know. But if I'm thinking of Daytona, for example, we know that these cars uh, in testing have been cracking into turn one over 200 miles an hour. Um, so less downforce plus more power. Granted, they have more weight, but these things do get up and, and motoring, Graham, on long straights. Mm -hmm. They are getting into... Uh, at least the high-speed brake zones faster than ever, uh, high-speed entry areas, I should say. Will that lead them to need to slow the cars earlier and potentially have fewer clashes and braking? It's a great question. The ERS systems on board, 40 horsepower is what they're regenerating, so I don't know if we're talking about a crazy huge uh, assistance under braking at the rear of the cars to uh, just give more braking help to slow the cars? I don't know. Again, if the ERS systems are really going to help them to not have to brake much, much earlier, 
uh, are they able to go later into the braking zones because they have this mechanical assistance at the back of the car uh, generating energy for them to deploy. So potentially, yes, but we're going to have to see these things in action with GT cars. Police are coming after us, by the way. Uh, to my knowledge, Lance, uh, yeah, we haven't had uh, much of an opportunity to find out how the new hybrid GTP cars and their GT counterparts, even LMP3 for that matter, how they mingle uh, once they get to braking zones. Uh, and I'm going to look through here and find one or two more. Graham, I'll, I'll throw... We got two to go. Mia Rose, at one Rosie Mia. Uh, she says, I remember reading here, points to a story uh, on the evo.co.uk website talking about the anatomy okay. of uh, Le Mans GT cars uh, and whatnot from the early 2000s and the GT regs in the American Le Mans series and Le Mans were slightly different, seeing as GTE was the most recent IMSA and WEC shared class. Was there a difference, Graham, when we had GTLM in IMSA and the uh, GTEs? in wackety whack um two differences one is balance of performance is different um two is there was a, a, a mild aero kit for le mans the third difference by the way is sporting regulations uh how, how best to explain this i can recall the first um trip we made to cota where it's a double header with was that still american le mans series then just trying to remember. Yes. Um, and weck, weckety weck. Um, and everybody was kind of looking at the timing screens, as you tend to do in the barn that is the Cota press room, wondering why the AMS cars were so much faster with apparently the same regulations as the WEC cars were. And the answer is very simple because the philosophy of track limits. <laughs> It's significantly different, or at least was. The final turn, they were closer to the parking lot uh, for the LMS than they were to the <laughs> racing surface. Um, and by the way, in Formula 1 terms, uh, that's a very expensive parking lot. Whereas with uh, the FIWC, the iron hand of Eduardo Freitas uh, regards, of course, track limits as being a brick wall. So that can make a massive difference in terms of the lap times, that you get from those cars if you're allowed a completely different angle of attack, as it were. But as far as the cars themselves are concerned, with the exception of some of the monitoring kit, for that matter, some of the driver and public information kit on those cars, the answer is they are more or less identical. Uh, they run at different performance levels because the BOP process is different across or was in the case of the MSO with Dick Sports Con Championship, different between the two. But they are effectively the same cars and can be converted one to the other very quickly indeed. There we go. Final question. Philippe Albuquerque. No joke. Uh, Sending in a question to the show. Don't think it's him. Don't it think is, it's him. It isn't. It, I don't it, think it's It is, actually. You sure? Yes. I think it's Pippa Durrani. Oh, Pippo Albuquerque. Yes. Oh, there yes. we go. Felipe Durrani. I think that is kind of his name. Um, yes. Hey, one of our, our favorite fast Portuguese drivers. Got a That's question. A big club. Yes. Yes. Uh, he says, both organizations, talking about Wekity Wek and IMSA and yep. prototypes, agreed on a common technical rule book for the overall class. This is how come in the first year of it, talking about next season, there are two race clashes between them. <laughs> right. Okay. Now, um, obviously, it's good that Felipe engages here. By the way, um, you're amazing. You just are. You're, yes. you're, you're, you're excellent. And I'm enjoying the fact that, you know, you're showing um, a bit of salt uh, in this current phase of, of a career. I'm enjoying that thoroughly, actually, Felipe. But um, I'll explain one more time why one of them has, has taken place. And I like, I think everybody else regrets the fact that they're there, okay? The one that I can give you a fuller answer on is the clash between Monza and CTMP, I think it is. That is 
Monza, if you agree that we need another European race between Le Mans and Flyways, they're sort of forced into that date. They're forced into that date at the back end because of freighting deadlines for Fuji. That is effectively the latest date they can uh, be sure that the freight will arrive by sea, which of course then saves the teams a vast amount of cash. So that's the back end of it. Four weeks before that date is the Le Mans 24 hours. And sure as eggs is eggs, and they are, uh, there's not many in that paddock that would thank you for pushing the WEC race following the Le Mans 24 hours much further forward than a month. Uh, just about everything will need to be rebuilt after Le Mans. And I, I had a conversation with um, LMP2 team about this, who put exactly, by the way, the same point as Felipe does here um, about the placement of that race. And as a for instance, think about the Gibson V8 engines in the back of the LMP2 cars. There are, and I checked, 62 of those in existence. So of those 62 engines, the majority of them will be used during the Le Mans race week. Bear in mind, test day is the beginning of that week. We've then got quite a lot of running during the week, and every team will be changing that engine before the race. Uh, so they, each team will use two engines during that race, and they will expect the engine they get back for Monza, or for that matter for CTMP, to be fresh. With only 62 engines, that's quite... And by the way, a, a good number of the rest of the engines will be at Le Mans spares. Um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a heavy turnover for the guys and girls at Repton in Derbyshire here in the UK to rebuild those engines to get back into the uh, supply chain. That's just one part of it. Things like spare parts, you know, Felipe knows better than most. I'm not in any way here saying, Felipe, you go through this Bears packages at United Autosports or any of their other employers any more than anybody else does. Perish the thought that I would say that publicly. It's not true. But you are aware of other teams with perhaps less careful drivers that may go through quite a lot of spare parts in uh, a Le Mans week. So building back up those spare stocks, and in particular building up spare stocks, before you do what they have to do at Monza, which is pack the container, you're not just building up a spare stock for Monza, you're building up a spare stock for the final three races of the year. That's why that one. I'm not as clear as to why we've got the other clash, which is, I think, Portimao, which is round two of the FIWC next year, clashes with Long Beach. Um, I'm not quite sure, but I'm pretty certain that the placement of Portimao is again linked to the shipping deadlines. It's also linked to the need to get ELMS races in before the, uh, the, 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 the Le Mans 24 hours. And the ELMS calendar is linked into shipping deadlines for the Asian Le Mans series. So it is a huge number of not tightly interlocking pieces that looks like carnage, but I'm not sure they've got the wriggle room that we'd like them to have. And I'm absolutely, you know, it, it is such a shame that it is going to have an impact on the ability of drivers like the real Felipe Albuquerque, because I've no doubt this is not the real Felipe Albuquerque. It is, it is him. Um, that that is going to restrict the options for doing a full double header series and that, in both in sporting terms, professional terms, and for that matter, financial terms, has an impact on a number of people. That will, by the way, not just impact drivers, but also a number of key uh, team personnel, uh, including a lot of freelance people that, uh, that operate on the engineering side in both series. Um, I'm not sure there's an easy way around this, is the straight answer. Uh, it, it is sort of, and by the way, we may have to accept that it carries on like this. The one change that will happen in 2024, if plans carry on uh, as they currently are, is that the pressure on the European Le Mans series timings may uh, get better because at some point LMEM are going to have to pivot back to 
a flyaway series for the Asia Le Mans uh, product and away from the compact format we've had in the UAE for the last couple of seasons. So that's where I think the flexibility will come back in that you can push things forward or back a little bit and create less of a congested uh, congested calendar. Sort of share your frustrations, Felipe. Um, in sporting terms, I'm thoroughly looking forward to four back-to-back race weekends in Europe at the start of our season in 2023. But it's going to be exhausting for, for me and for everybody else that does WEC and the LMS package, for instance. I've had conversations with a number of people in just about every series about what is it that we can do to better ride the waves, if you like, of what is going to be a world in which there are going to be more fixture classes, not just in the way that uh, Felipe is describing, but also with Formula One and Formula E and anything else that comes along. And I know that is something that is causing all sorts of grief when you're looking for the commercial space to operate in your own uh, your own bubble, if you like, to draw the audience you want to draw. Some smart moves are being made. Convergence is one of them. Uh, I think the way in which they're looking to differentiate the classes is another. Um, the calendar, I sort of think we've got a lot more of this to come is a straight and honest answer. And that's going to make it tricky for a whole range of professions uh, linked into the sport that we love. So with apologies, Felipe, I could give you no sucker whatsoever other than to explain why those fixtures are as they are. Um, sort of share the irritation, but the more you dig into it, the more you realise, I think their hands are tied. Is that us? Take us home. Take us home, Graham Goodwin. Well, um, thanks so much to uh, Daniel Summerskill, for starters. We, we, we usually say thanks to Daniel at the end of things. Let's do it at the beginning. Uh, fine job with turning round. What I have to say, and apologies to those we didn't get to, is a bumper crop of questions. My guess, MP, is that we will pivot between this format, which we love and enjoy, and the other format, which is when we're kind of squeezed uh, in time to do a bit of a review and a bit of a chit-chat. We enjoy both. We particularly enjoy it when you all engage. I'm expecting... Uh, now Felipe's blazed the trail Jordan Tedder will be along any time soon to chuck in a question about his dad probably don't forget Geronimo uh, but, as well if we didn't get to your question yes. and you really wanted it answered don't just threaten anyone can do that make it a good threat make it amusing good threat. make it scary yes, um, yes. make it believable yeah yes uh, hashtag yeah, Graham meaty hose Goodwin uh, yeah says, just, just so. you know Make it sound like an episode of Better Call Saul. That's what I think is uh, you're looking for in a question on the weekend sports cars. For now, though, we're going to say thank you not just to Daniel, not just to you, the listeners, and in particular those that have sent some great questions in this week. We're going to say thank you very much indeed to the for the continued backing for Cooper Tyres, for the Justice Brothers, for TorontoMotorsports.com, and of course to you, Marshall Pruitt, uh, my co-host in crime across there in the United States of America. I'm here in Broken Britain signing off. I'm Graham Goodwin. This has been the Week in Sports Cars, part of the Marshall Pruitt Podcast Collection, and we will be with you next week. I think that was like seven stints, by the way. 